You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendas. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into another Victory Monday here, that's seven for us now this season, I want to quickly tell you guys, thank you so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams and for running up that subscription button on YouTube. We're closing in on 900, but you know what this episode is going to be all about. We've had a lot of these this season, luckily for us. The Rams are now seven and one on the season. They absolutely bodied the Houston Texans. It was weird because the final score was 38 to 22. But the Rams really won that game 38-0, to so we're going to kind of talk about what happened in this game, the good, the bad, the ugly. Of course, there wasn't too much bad or ugly when you win this big, but let me preface this by saying the Rams were up 38-0 to after the first three quarters, and then they pulled all their starters essentially outside of one final defensive drive, and then that's when the Texans finally started scoring. They scored all of their points in the fourth quarter in garbage time when the Rams were running soft shells on the back end, prevent style defenses, things like that, where they won the game. They had nothing to worry about. The Rams absolutely blew the Texans out of the water. So there's really nothing to be concerned about from this game, especially if you're just looking at the box score statistics. So when you actually dive into the game, Matthew Stafford improves his season, 305 passing yards, three touchdowns on the day, no interceptions from what I can remember, no actual interceptable passes, turnover worthy passes, as we call them at PFF. Just a tremendous contest. I mean, he was not sacked in this game. I think he was pressured one single time where Brian Allen gave up a pressure. But outside of that, he wasn't even pressured in this game. I mean, one single time. That is absurd. He had 9.5 yards per attempt. And I talked about it in the intro. Kyler Murray, who was one of the favorites for the MVP award, had a terrible week eight game on Thursday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Tom Brady, another one of the MVP hopefuls this season, loses as well throws a game ceiling interception Stafford has to be the favorite for the MVP award right now I think he's been the most productive quarterback to date right now and not just that but the Rams are seven and one they're the best team in football in my opinion and you know that they always take into account team success player success and all these other things into this award so right now I don't know how you could possibly say that Matthew Stafford is not the MVP maybe before this week started I would have said you know Kyler Murray maybe Tom Brady, but these things are always changing. And right now, I think as it stands, Matthew Stafford has to be that guy that is the MVP, hopeful, the number one contender going into week nine. But of course, these things do change. So we'll dive into that in the future weeks and see if the Rams can maintain that spot up there for Stafford. But these guys always mention they don't really care about individual statistics. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know for sure. Moving on to the running game, another productive game. Daryl Henderson, 14 carries, 90 rushing yards, 6.4 yards per carry. He had a rushing touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown, a three-yarder, I think it was. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, Robert Woods, 22 yards, chips in as a rusher and a touchdown. Sony Michelle, nine carries for 42 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. They were dominant on the ground. I mean, the offensive line was opening up huge holes, snap after snap, run after run. And Henderson looked really decisive with his runs in this game. I felt like his vision was really, really strong in this contest. Seems like he's getting a little bit better. I was really hoping he was going to crack that 100-yard mark. That would have been his first 100-yard rushing performance this season. 
But like I mentioned, the Rams had no reason to trot these guys out in the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter. So they really all missed out on opportunities to run up some of those numbers. Selfishly, you know, that's something I wish I could have saw. But at the end of the day, they secured the win way before those final 15 minutes. So they had no reason to subject these guys to more hits, potential injuries and things like that. So they didn't. And I can't blame them for that. I actually think it was a smart move. Moving into the receiver core, (laughs) no surprises here. Cooper Cup, this guy is unstoppable. We've talked about it. Nobody's guarding him this season. He is just going to run it up every week when he's out there. As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to have shots to break records this season. Pulls in seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown in somewhat of a quiet game. I'm throwing air quotes there for those that are not watching on YouTube. A quiet game. I mean, the guy was absolutely amazing once again. Daryl Henderson, like I said, one catch, three yards, a touchdown. Robert Woods, only three receptions of his nine targets. Not a good reception rate there. 35 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was beautiful, by the way. The Stafford throw was like in between three or four zone defenders. Woods did a great job of finding the soft spot in the zone there and sitting his route down. And it was just a beautiful like five or 10 yard pass. Very short pass, but one of the best short passing touchdowns you're going to see. Very good execution there. And then Van Jefferson, the Rams wide receiver three. We heard Deshaun Jackson basically come out and request a trade last week. And the Rams said that they would allow him to seek a trade and they would happily trade him if they can get a dance partner there. Well, He was not any closer to getting on this field. In fact, he was inactive in this game. But Van Jefferson, three receptions, 88 yards receiving. He had a 68-yard reception that might have went for a touchdown if Stafford just put another yard of space on that pass. I mean, it was a great pass either way. I'm not knocking it. Maybe Van Jefferson was just ran down. I don't know. But either way, he was close to house calling an 80-yard touchdown. It would have been beautiful to see him get in. He didn't get in, but... He looks good. I mean, this guy is not going to relinquish any snaps here. So hopefully for Deshaun Jackson, he can find a different team because I just don't think the Rams can feel good about taking Van Jefferson off the field right now. He's giving you a vertical component to the offense that Deshaun Jackson gives you. But at the same time, Jackson's 34. This guy's on a one-year contract. Why would you prioritize snaps for him when you have Van Jefferson on your roster? This is a guy that you drafted 57th overall just last year. He's a second-year player. I think he's 24 years old right now, 25 at max. He's clearly someone that the Rams love. I mean, they love this guy. Everything he does embodies what the Rams are about, especially the receiver group, guys that are willing to block, physical, nasty, tough players, do anything that's asked of them, can go over the top, can win off the line of scrimmage, runs great routes, great hands. Unfortunately for Deshaun, he doesn't bring a lot of that to the table. Really, the only thing that he's bringing to the table is world-class sprinter speed and maybe all-time great vertical ability, and that's amazing. But the Rams are not going to put that on the field in place of a guy like Van Jefferson, unfortunately. And so that's where you get an unhappy Jackson who, these might be his final few games in the NFL. You cannot blame this guy for wanting to go somewhere else and try and get some snaps, try and get himself maybe you know a couple catches to end out his career. If this is the end, you don't want to ride the pine going out like that. That would be so unfortunate, even if it is in Los Angeles, even if it is in his hometown with a great team in the Rams, maybe get a Super Bowl ring, whatever the case is, that does not matter. If you're not playing, you know, guys love to play. It's really that simple. So we'll see ultimately if the Rams can find a trade partner. We're going to dive into more of that throughout the rest of this week, especially on tomorrow's episode, right ahead of Tuesday's NFL trade deadline. Before we get there, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP at Locked on Rams and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. And I hope you didn't miss this game, but if you did, there's a simple way to find a resolution 
It's called Direct TV Stream. These guys are going to get you together all your favorite entertainment, sports, movies, TV shows, and everything else. You don't have to do that old song and dance where you have 10 different remotes, five different devices. You can't really decide what's going on. Direct TV Stream brings all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all at the same place. No more juggling remotes. No more doing all that weird stuff. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is at directtv.com. And thanks so much for always making Locked On Rams your first daily listen every day. You know we've got you covered here for all things Los Angeles Rams, but with the trade deadline right around the corner, you guys, make sure to go check out the NFL trade deadline show. It is entirely live. They're going to have reactions to every move, plus a second half season preview and much more. You can catch the live show from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, November 2nd, on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. And now we can pick up with where we left off. Like I mentioned, the Rams, their pass blocking group here, their offensive line was unreal in this game. Only Brian Allen, one player, allowed one pressure in this game. Four out of their five offensive linemen did not allow a single pressure in this contest. If you're Matthew Stafford, you can literally not ask for a cleaner, better performance. And that's why he had such a good day. But at the same time, this is crazy. I mean, it's just absurd. They're playing so good. This is a top three offensive line in football. They continue to do well in run blocking. They continue to do just as well, if not five times better in pass protection. And that is why this offense is so good. I think they said on the broadcast that the Rams were the only team to score 20 plus in every single game this season. And I mean, there's no surprise. This offense is great. They're all doing so well from the quarterback to the offensive line to the running game. Certain games, sure, some things might not be as great as the others. But in general, when you take a step back, you look at the last eight games, this offense is good. And they can attack in a bunch of different ways, whether it's 12 or 15 play drives, or if it's a three-play drive with a 75-yard strike or a running game where they run the ball eight plays in a row and you know what's coming, but you still can't stop it. Like, they've done it all. This offense, another big game here, 38 points in three quarters. We know the Texans are not good, right? This is not a playoff team. This is not somebody that the Rams are going to be concerned with moving forward. It's just not. I mean, the Texans are bad. They're going to be playing for draft picks right now, and they should be. They really don't have a good team. But taking care of an opponent 38-0 to dominating them in every way possible. That's how you want to go about it. Now, flipping the page, looking at the defensive side of the ball here, the pass rushers. I mean, these guys, they had a great game. Leonard Floyd, two sacks in this game. Aaron Donald, one and a half. Greg Gaines, half a sack. Ernest Jones, half a sack. Obo Karanko, half a sack. So many sacks in this game. But you look at the pressures. I mean, Greg Gaines, he's played great recently. Six pressures in this game. He led the Rams with six pressures. I mean, Greg Gaines, a guy that nobody talks about as a pass rusher, that's not who he is, but it's so awesome to see a guy like that who's a backup starting to step up and really develop a different part of his game because whatever he can bring to the table is just going to be an extra additive. And the reason why he got so much run in this game was because Sebastian Joseph Day was inactive in this contest. He had, I can't recall what injury it was. It might've been a chest injury or something random. And so he didn't play in this game, which means Greg Gaines was obviously able to step into a spot and did a great job. I mean, he was not the only one. These guys dominated this contest. Davis Mills was harassed in the pocket, snap after snap. Leonard Floyd was back there abusing whoever was across from him. It didn't matter. Two sacks in a game, three pressures. Aaron Donald, three pressures, a sack and a half, like we mentioned. But maybe the most important and interesting and notable performance for this defense 
was at linebacker, right? We talk about this position a lot for the Rams this season, how they've really not been great. We've talked about Kenny Young, some up and down performances. The Rams obviously traded him last week. He's no longer with the team. And then Troy Reader, some up and down games, not really a great player. And now Ernest Jones, who has to step up because he's now a starter in his first start, in his first game action, really in the NFL, this guy, you could not have asked for a better performance. And again, it's the Texans, so there's going to be a lot tougher battles out there. But you can only play who's on your schedule. And Ernest Jones had a tremendous game. I've got the PFF numbers here, so that's why I'm looking off to my left. He allowed one reception on two targets for eight yards. And as we know, he also recorded his first NFL interception where he dropped into zone coverage. I think it was, I would have to go back and rewatch the play, but I think he was spot dropping into a zone and just ran underneath a receiver. Davis Mills threw it right to him, had a nice little return. I think it was like 10, 15-ish yards. So awesome to see. This guy stepped up in a huge way for the Rams. And again, it's his first game. Like he's going to get better. There's going to be ups and downs. We know there is. That's just how the NFL is, especially for rookies. But for a guy who was a third-round pick, you could not have asked for a better debut as a rookie. I mean, the Rams traded Kenny Young away and we knew that this guy was their best linebacker that really gave Ernest Jones a vote of confidence and for us we never got to see this guy in practice or in game so we really had no idea what he was going to bring to the table but as it stands right now Jones had a dominant performance I mean this might have been the best linebacker performance out of any linebacker performance that we've seen for the Rams all season regardless of which player it's been so that should tell you really how good he's played especially in this game. And it wasn't just him. I mean, they had a lot of good performances. Troy Reader allowed 10 receiving yards. And I'm looking through the first three quarters, all right? I'm not looking at the fourth quarter. I don't care about the garbage time stats. That doesn't matter to me. That's not indicative of how good this team is or not because schematics and everything changes in those scenarios, right? Why would you play up tight press man coverage trying to really stop someone when you're up 38? You really don't care. The only thing you're battling at that point is the clock. That's garbage time stuff. Some other people, if you want to go look at those stats, I'm sure they'll share it. But for me, I'm looking at legitimate performance, and that's why I'm looking through the first three quarters. I just wanted to mention that in terms of why people might think the statistics are off when somebody else brings them up. Jalen Ramsey, dominant in this game. Four receptions, gave up 23 receiving yards. I mean, that's nothing for a guy of his caliber. He had a nice forced incompletion as well, nearly a pick. Really, there was no defender here that struggled. I mean, Dante Dion gave up the most receiving yards through the first three quarters, only 29 yards. Taylor Rapp, 21 yards. Troy Reader, 10 yards, like we mentioned. They were so good. They really could not get beat on any level. I mean, it really started in the fourth quarter where things started to collapse a little bit. We saw some of those players out there struggling, backups especially, or a guy like Dante Dion get beat for a 40-ish yard touchdown by former Rams wide receiver Brandon Cooks. But again, these are things that I'm not too concerned about. Maybe the Dion one should have been negated that play. You need to be a little bit tighter in your coverage there. And you just got beat, outright beat. I mean, he tried to backpedal and then flip his hips and run. But it's Brandon Cooks. I mean, we know how fast this guy is. We've saw him play a lot of games for the Rams. This guy's a very, very good wide receiver. So no shame in getting beat by a player like that. Again, fourth quarter, garbage time, not concerned about it. But at the end of the day, you know, there is some things that people brought up in terms of this might be a reflection of the lack of depth on this team and all these different things. And I understand where they're coming from, but the Texans did not bench anybody. Like these guys were starting their starters in the fourth quarter, like they should have been. And the Rams had a bunch of backups in there. How can you expect backup players to 
handle starters. Like that's just not going to happen. There is so much parity in the NFL. And I'm not concerned about the depth thing because at the end of the day, you're not going to lose 22 players at the same time. And that's essentially what the Rams did by pulling all these guys. I mean, John Wolford and Buddy Howell were in the backfield at the end of the game. And they were throwing to Ben Skoranek and Jacob Harris and some of these other guys. Like, that is not who this team is, right? We know that those are not the guys that are going to be responsible for why the Rams maybe make a run to the Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, continue to call this team a Super Bowl contender, maybe the best team in the NFC, a top two, top three team, whatever the case is. And when you look at it, it's not because of these backup players, right? So I would urge you not to be concerned about what we saw in the fourth quarter, the final score line, where this lack of depth is coming from, all these different factors. Those things do not concern me. I don't think they should concern you either. And now in just a second here, we're going to dive into the remaining aspects of this game. Before we dive into that, make sure to tune back in tomorrow, like I mentioned, for our NFL trade deadline episode we're gonna have something special for you guys and really take a look at whether the rams may trade certain players away and what the chances are that they go get somebody else but before we get there you don't have to trade away the best protein bar on the market you guys have heard me talk about them many times the built bar okay i've tried a lot of protein bars in my time some are chalky some are expensive some don't taste good some don't have a lot of protein the built bar has none of these issues i mean they have a bunch of different flavors. I want to say 11 or 12. So you can pick whatever you like, mix and match the box. You don't have to eat flavors that you don't like. There's a bunch of different things there. The bars, they're delicious. They're low in calories. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber and they even work for you if you are on the keto diet. Not only that, but you'll also get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do, just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And unfortunately for me, I made a lot of parlay bets on Sunday. And I got close to hitting a couple of them, especially with the Rams. I needed Van Jefferson to score a touchdown, which he did not do. But there was a play where he was wide open and nearly did. But Stafford threw to Robert Woods instead, and he scored. So didn't win. But if you guys want to get in on that action, go check out BetOnline.ag, one of our sponsors for this episode they're your number one spot for all your college and pro football action this season. Why would you not go there? They've got all the latest updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest and the $200,000 survivor contest, both open over there right now. All you have to do, just go ahead to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's a lot of extra money to play with, I'm telling you. It is very fun. It's going to make the games a lot more interesting. Bet online is also the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing all the way to horse racing. Don't wait. Make sure to take advantage right now while all the great offers are still available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first daily listen here at the Locked on Rams podcast. For your second daily listen, go check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL podcast. These guys are going to break down every major news story in the NFL in under 30 minutes every single day, entirely free, wherever you get your podcast. So make sure to go check them out. They've also got a YouTube page. So now we can dive into the remaining aspects of this game. And guess what? Head coach Sean McVay is officially a record holder. He is 43-0, and one leading at halftime. That's consecutively, as we know, he was tied with Bill Belichick last week, 42-0, and now he took care of business going into halftime. I mean, I think they were up 24-0 to in this game against Houston. 
there was no chance Houston was going to win that game. So it's great to see 43-0. and 0. That means every time the Rams go into halftime with a lead, they're taking care of business. They have yet to mess up. That is insane to think. This guy is so good. He's clearly a special head coach. There's no doubt about that. I think any Rams fan feels pretty confident and happy and grateful for the fact that this guy's a head coach. And I mean, he's still young. He's like 35 or 36 years old, and he's already managed to do this. And not only that, but there's also another great tweet that I pulled up from at Greg Beecham on Twitter. He said, Sean McVay improves to 50 and 22 in the regular season. Only 103 head coaches have ever won 50 NFL games since the league started in 1920, and he's already done it at 35 years old. So presumably the youngest head coach to ever get to 50 wins, I think. So once again, this guy, a special leader, special coach, special guy. He does such a good job at replenishing the talent that he has in terms of the roster, finding coaches because we know the Rams are always getting poached when it comes to their coaches, their coaching staff. They're losing so many guys every year and yet they never skip a beat. It is incredibly impressive how quickly they can get over some of these losses. And here they are once again, sitting at seven and one, looking like one of the best teams, my opinion, the best team in the NFL. You can't call the Cardinals that anymore. In my opinion, they just lost to green Bay. They're seven and one. And they lost to a Green Bay team that had nobody on offense. They did not have Devontae Adams. They did not have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They did not have Alan Lazard. They were missing their top three wide receivers, and they lost. And Kyler Murray hurt his ankle, and according to NFL insider Jay Glazer, might miss one to three weeks. I don't know if that's accurate, how accurate, but even a banged-up Kyler Murray may be enough to slow them down enough to the point where maybe they drop another game or two. So in my opinion... Don't think you can put the Cardinals up there, especially with their lack of playoff experience. Like it's great that they're seven and one, but it's a different story when you get to December and January. And we know that the Rams can do that. They've been there. And a lot of this team is the same team that got to the Super Bowl, got to the playoffs last year. The Cardinals don't have many of those guys. So don't think they're up there. The Packers, I just don't think they're up there either. They're probably good for second, third, something like that. The Bucks just lost to the Saints literally an hour ago before recording this. They can't be first. What does that leave? I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. That's where they are right now. That's where Sean McVay has them. I mean, it's just incredible. This guy is such a special coach. He's got the numbers to back it up. And now he's also got the Rams in place to be one of the best teams at the end of the day. So that's really going to do it for this episode. Mostly there is also two quick injury updates. One on Van Jefferson. He actually got hurt on that 68 yard catch. He banged up his knee. But he got back into the game later on in the fourth quarter with John Wolford out there, which was a little bit weird. So we know that he's okay. Head coach Sean McVay stated that he was okay as well. And second round rookie, punt returner, also receiver, Tutu Atwell did get banged up. He hurt his shoulder on one of his punt returns, and he did not return to the game. They didn't really have an update on him. They just kind of said it's unknown. Maybe it doesn't look too good. I'm not 100% certain, but at the end of the day, This guy's really been struggling. He has not really brought any spark to the special teams. His punt returns always look a little bit shaky. I mentioned it on Twitter. Always feel like I'm holding my breath every time he grabs the ball or he has the ball or he's getting tackled. It just feels like every time it's never clean. There's just never a clean play for him in the NFL so far, not in the preseason, not in the snaps that he's had on special teams throughout these regular season games. So hopefully he's okay. I don't know for certain, but... Hopefully the Rams also get some of these guys back because you look at Andrew Whitworth did not play in this game like Sebastian Joseph Day and guess who replaced him? Joseph Nopum, as we know, the guy who started six or seven games in his place last year. 
did not allow a single pressure. I mean, your backup left tackle stepped in for a Hall of Fame left tackle and did not give up a pressure, never mind a sack or multiple sacks. He didn't give up a pressure. <laughs> Joe Noteboom played a tremendous game. So I wanted to also give him a major shout out because we know the guys who are great. We've already seen Stafford and Cup and Henderson and Ramsey and a lot of these other guys step up. They've all been great. We know they're great. But some of these other guys that have now been counted on that the Rams are expecting to step up. You look at Ernest Jones in this game as well. Joseph Noteboom, Sony Michelle throughout this season. They've all managed to step up and they've all done a tremendous job when their names have been called. Even someone like Ben Skoranek. I mean, Van Jefferson gets hurt. Like we mentioned, he hurts the knee. He's out for maybe a series or two. And Tutu Atwell, I think he might've been hurt at that point as well with the shoulder. Deshaun Jackson, not active. Ben Skoranek had to go out there on offense and actually play some snaps. And he had three receptions, I think for 30 yards. Like they do such a good job at just replenishing the pipeline of talent that they have and finding guys to step in for guys that leave because of free agency, guys that get injured, guys that get traded, whatever the case is. I mean, this team is special. They're built to go a long way this season. And I'm excited that we got to do another victory Monday here at the Lockdown Rams podcast. The Rams improved to seven and one on the season. They are a tremendous football team. And we're going to dive into whether or not they're going to make some of these trades. If Deshaun Jackson is on his way out, is somebody else on their way in for the Rams? And then, of course, we can flip the page and look ahead to the Los Angeles Rams, the Tennessee Titans, Sunday night football, week nine. That is going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait to see you guys at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week. So keep making sure to tune back in here as your first daily listen. You guys can always follow us on Twitter at QBsMEP, at Locked on Rams, and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.